Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at need this because I have a little girl coming up. Come here, Beverly. Come here, girl. Come to Papa. So your family, this is my granddaughter, Beverly, Stephen and Jana's daughter. And uh, I was prepping for this message and I was thinking about my love for my granddaughters. Let me just tell you, I got four of these. And all four of them, all four granddaughters, I don't have a grandson yet. Hint, hint, hint. I don't have a grandson yet. But my four granddaughters, I love them more than anything in the world. And uh, I'm so grateful because each of them are being raised in a home that loves worship, that loves the presence of God. And so Beverly here, when you put worship on in the house, she just, she joins in. She's a worshiper. Papa loves her so much. But as I was preparing this message, I just want you to know this is how God thinks of every person in this world, that he wants to hold them like this, that he wants them to grow up living in his presence, that, that he wants them to know him. You know, every time someone passes away and they don't go to heaven, he weeps because it's like his little one that he separated from. For me, sharing my faith and sharing the beautiful story of the gospel isn't a, isn't a have to. It's not a duty. It, it's, not, it's not trying to win a badge at church so people think better of me. It's telling the most beautiful story ever given to God's favorites around the world. Because every person that doesn't know him yet, like this little one right here, he is praying for them. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us, and by the way, he was praying for you before you got saved. And there was probably some humans that prayed you in too. Some mamas were praying, some neighbors were praying, and each of us have a story of someone who prayed for us and someone who told us the story of Jesus. And I wanna begin today by just praying that God would soften our hearts to think of the world like I think of my Beverly, that you would realize his love for people and you would join him in that love. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your love. While I was yet a sinner, you died for me. God, I didn't go looking for you. You came looking for me. You weren't lost. I was. And God, you found me, and I'm so grateful for that. But all around us, Lord, even in Kenya, those pictures we saw, those beautiful people, they're people that don't know you yet. They haven't felt your presence. They don't know what it's like to hear the sounds of worship and feel that peace that passes all understanding. God, help us to be your hands and feet and take the beautiful gospel everywhere we go. God, I pray that at the end of this service, Lord, that literally hundreds will know you because of this time we spent together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Beverly, you're amazing. Now you know why I had a sucker. She is a good girl. Candy doesn't hurt either. <laughs> She'd probably been fine, but that helps. Uh, today I want to talk to you. Very simple message. It's the core of the gospel. It's the core of who we are. I want to talk to you about the great commandment empowering the great commission. The great commandment empowering the great commission. If you know the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. And living that kind of love empowers me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so I want to talk from those two vantage points today. And so my theme scripture is um, Romans 1.16. 
I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For that gospel, what gospel? The good news that Jesus came, died, was buried, and rose from the dead, and carried my sins in that grave with them, and destroyed everything that was coming against me, and set me in heavenly places with him, and gave me his Holy Spirit, that gospel. I am not ashamed of that gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. I am not ashamed. And ask you a question. How many of you believe that God is really, really good? Good, me too. How many of you believe that he loves everyone in this world? Okay. How many of you are not ashamed of the gospel? Yeah, you are. And so am I. You know, there is a piece of us that actually is ashamed of the gospel. That's why we don't share it as much as we have opportunity. Um, there's reasons for that, and some of it isn't because we don't believe God is good or we don't believe that the gospel is good. It's that sometimes I don't believe that I'm good. And so I shortchange myself from actually stepping out into what God called me to. Sometimes I actually don't love people the way I should, and so I end up not sharing my faith because I'm thinking more of myself than I'm thinking of others. And worse than all of that is sometimes I don't actually believe God is good. And so then I don't share him because I'm embarrassed by him. There's one thing that you have to learn when you walk this broken planet is that bad things happen to good people here. Have you noticed? The Psalms say that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. So bad things will actually happen to good people and it is not God's character that causes that. It's this broken world that we live in. This broken world broken by sin and infested by the demonic. Did you know that God sometimes gifts you with a broken season and difficult circumstances? Do you know that sometimes he actually thinks he can trust you? Like he trusted Job? Devil comes one day and says, hey, Job's only serving you because you've covered him, because he's rich. And God said, you don't understand, Job. God trusted Job. And when Job lost a lot, Job said these crazy words, though he slays me, yet will I praise him. Ouch. And Job could be trusted by God. Could you imagine being a man or woman of God that God can trust you? Not just you trust him. And sometimes God will entrust you with a tragedy. Because when you go through tragedy and the world is watching and you stand in the power of God and you stand in the peace of the Holy Spirit and you stand strong, it gives the world something to look at. That they, it's, like a, it's like a compass pointing them towards Jesus, saying, this is the way. This is how you live. This is, how, this is who you grab a hold of. My Jesus is good. And so don't judge God's character based on your circumstances. So I want to look at the great commandment with you. It's in the book of Mark. It's in other chapters as well. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In this story, God was telling the people he was talking to that if you just keep the great commandment, you'll actually fulfill all the commandments. So if you just love people, and you just love God, and you actually like yourself, you're gonna end up keeping his commandments because you have a life fueled by love. Living by love is so much easier than living by law. You know, many religions tell people, just do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and then maybe you'll get to heaven. You're serving a Jesus that says something very different. He says, how about you die to yourself, give me your life, and nothing you do will allow you to go to heaven. Everything that I did gave you access to heaven. That's a good God. That's a great God. In this great commandment, we find three things, and I believe that there are some stumbling blocks for us sharing our faith that are connected to these three things. First of all, if you don't believe that God is good, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, 
you won't share the story of the cross. You won't share the good news because you're kind of embarrassed about him. So if you have questions about him and you're asking this question a lot, which our kids often ask us, why? Why, God? How many of you, your kids just drive you crazy with the why questions? Anybody else? I'm not the only one. Why? Why? You know, that's how they learn, right? They just ask, why, why, why? Some of us are that way to God, but not in a good way. It's not that we're learning, we're almost accusing him. Why? Why'd you let this happen to me? Why'd you let that happen to a good person? Why, God? And we get this thought about God, we judge his character based on circumstances, and then we end up not really liking him personally, and that puts us in a straitjacket of ever telling someone about him because we're actually a bit ashamed of him. Number two, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Number two, I have to love people more than I love me. Now, for Americans, this is tough for us. If you go around the world, you'll find that other nations think of us as pretty proud, pretty self-sufficient. Like, they, they tell me in Africa and Asia that they can tell an American, not because of their skin color, because of their swagger, because they're kind of confident. And unfortunately for some of us, it's not boldness in Christ, it's actually self-confidence. And if we don't love people more than we love ourselves, we'll never share our faith, our faith with them because we care too much about what they think of us. And we're trying to build our kingdom. I'm trying to build my life. I'm trying, to be, I'm trying to look good. I walked into church and I'm worried about what people are thinking of me. Could you imagine a life that when you walk into a room, you don't care what people think of you? Your first thought is, how can I make this room better? Because I walked in. Because that's what Jesus did. Every place he entered, healing happened, salvation happened, changed lives happened. He just walked on purpose. What if you walk into a room not thinking about what people are thinking of you, but thinking, how can I bless this room? I had a, I had a really bad uh, perspective when I was young in ministry. Um, I was so concerned about what my pastor thought of me, and that would include Pastor Ken Wilde, who was my pastor for a season in this church. Like, if my pastor gave me a little side look, I thought he hated me. Now, he might have just had tacos and he had an upset stomach, but I think he doesn't like me. And I was gripped with the fear of what people thought of me. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a snare or the fear of man is a trap. When you walk into a room and you're worried about what they think of you, you will be in the prison of your own popularity. But if you can walk in a room and say, God, these people here, some of them don't know you. God, your love is good enough for them. God, you love them like Pastor Jay loves his Beverly. And all of a sudden, your perspective turns inside out and you start to see people like God sees them. You start to see them as the child that he loves and he desperately wants to meet. And all of a sudden, it begins to drown your fear of their faces. Because I love people more than I love myself. But then lastly, I actually do need to love myself. It says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Some of us don't like ourselves. We love God and we absolutely know he's good. We know the gospel is good. We know that he can change any life. We've seen it happen. We've seen alcoholics get sober with the power of God. I actually believe that he loves other people. And I walk into a room and I do see them correctly and I see them as lost and I see them as loved. But I don't like myself. And so I'm waiting for someone else to help the people that he loves. Because when I look in a mirror, I don't actually like me the way he made me. And I am in prison of what I think of myself. I had this when I was young. I was an introvert, and I remember just moments where my, my mind was consumed with what people thought of me and how much I didn't like myself. And I won't go into the whole reasons why, but there was just, there were some rude issues in me. I didn't like the way God made me. And because I couldn't accept myself the way he made me, all the gifts, the talents, the warts, the baldness, everything. Because I couldn't accept myself the way he made me, I didn't feel good enough to share the good news with someone else. 
I believed he was good. I believed the gospel was powerful. I believed that he loved people. I was consumed by that. I actually had a good prayer life, had a good worship life. But I still didn't share my faith often because I was in the prison of what I thought of myself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. If we can learn to love God, he is perfect, he is beautiful, he is loving. I can learn to love people. They're just like Beverly. Every one of them is precious to him. Every child on this planet is his favorite. Every one of them, every country, every color, they're all his favorites. They're all equal in his eyes, but they're still all his favorites. How many of you parents had a favorite among your kids? Bad parents. I remember when Stephen was born, he's my firstborn. I didn't think I could love another human being as much as I loved him when I first held him. I'm like, whoa, I love this kid. And then I remember when Alicia was about to come, I was thinking, how am I gonna love this one as much as I loved that one? How many of you parents experienced the moment when the second one's born? Wait, she's my favorite and he's my favorite. And then Jesse and then Lily and they're all my favorites. Check this out. God can do that eight billion times. He does that eight billion times. Every baby that's born, including a crack mother, who doesn't know who the father is, and the baby's addicted the moment they're born, he loves that baby. It's his favorite. And you were raised up to go reach them. You are his hands and feet. Oh, Americans, we're so consumed with building our own stuff and and, and making sure our life is stable. Do you know that sometimes God will make your life unstable so that someone else's life can be reached? That's what's called in the Bible a step of faith. And I'm off my notes. We better get back. We better get back because I want to finish this. I want to go now to the Great Commission. So the Great Commandment fueling, empowering the Great Commission. So Mark 16, verse 15, then he told them, go into all the world, there's the word all, and preach the good news to everyone. So we have an all and we have an every. God's just covering his basis. Every single child born on this planet is his favorite. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. There's a life and death with this message. If people don't receive it, they won't be with God forever. It's very important. This word preach is a very interesting word. It's used 61 times in the New Testament, and it was not a word supposed to be used in the church. We think of preaching as somebody standing behind a pulpit in front of a crowd. That is not how the New Testament uses the word. Preaching was meant for the streets. Teaching was meant for the church. Preaching was for the streets, and teaching was for the church. So when the Bible says to go preach, it's talking about a street Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So when we put the word preach on a pulpit, we also put the word preach into just special people. When the word preach was for all believers in the upper room, he said all 120, go, go preach. Go do what I tell you to do. And because they didn't scatter themselves, he had to bring persecution to Jerusalem to force them out into the world because they were called to go. They weren't called to stay. There's no scripture that says, stay and preach the gospel. Stay comfortable in your pew at church. It says, go. I want to couple that scripture with um, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting men's sin against them. And he gave us. Just say, that's me. Say, that's me. He gave us, that's you, the ministry of this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You are an ambassador. An ambassador isn't the message. He's a representative of the actual messenger, which would have been the king. 
You're not the message and you're not the main messenger, Jesus is, but you're the intermediary. You are the ambassador. You're actually a bridge for people to find Christ. God created you just the way you are to reach people that are like you and and people that your personality and your gift mix can. He comforts you so that you can comfort others in the same way that you were comforted. There's things that you go through that now you can understand what somebody else is going through. And God has personally prepared you to reach people. God loves you just the way you are. He wants to use you just the way you are. And every one of us in this room, even the back row back here, you're all called to go preach. Now don't be scared. It doesn't mean you have to have notes and you have to know the whole Bible. You just have to know the good news. Do you know how simple it is? So simple that my Beverly probably can memorize it because she's pretty smart. The good news is simply that you were a sinner and you needed a savior. And the perfect father in heaven sent his only son to earth. When he hung on a cross, he paid for your sin. And while he was hanging there, every sin ever committed and all the earth was poured inside of Jesus and he paid for it. And now you have free access to the father, free access. And now he sent his Holy Spirit to lead and to guide me and to fill me. Oh, by the way, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead and he sits at the right hand of the Father. That's the gospel. Can you handle it? But I don't know the Bible. How do I share my faith? The gospel has power in itself. It doesn't need you. All it needs is your open mouth. I was telling my mom, my mom's here too. Where's my mom? She's counting offering right now. She's serving in the house of God. I was telling my mom this week, when I was younger and I was first doing missions, I thought that the power of my preaching was what, why people were getting saved. And I was starting to deceive myself. There's this one time, and I can't tell the whole story because some of it, maybe you sent your kid on this missions trip and I don't want you to know all the details. <laughs> I was in Ukraine. Authorities showed up with guns and said, you cannot preach the gospel here. You cannot have an altar call. It was, the gospel was new to these streets. The gospel hadn't been preached in Ukraine. It was soon after USSR broke apart. The pastor came to us and he said, they won't hurt you, you're Americans. They might hurt me, they won't hurt you. Please preach the gospel to my people. They need to hear about Jesus. There were thousands of people in the stadium. We literally have guards on in front, of the, in front of the stage. They're threatening, if you continue to preach, we're gonna shut the lights off. We, we have maybe four or five minutes Now, the main leader of our team was not me, but he had gone home because he was tired and left me in charge. Oh, God, I'm out of my element right now. I'm like, God, what in the world do you do? And I heard him say, don't do an opening statement. Don't give them your name. Quote five scriptures and then ask them if they want to follow me. I didn't say anything but scripture. I started with Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us have turned to his own way, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then I got all the way to Romans. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. If you want that, come down to the track around this. You can't come to the altar, but come down to the track. And hundreds of people started coming down. I had said no funny jokes, no setup, no impressed with the preacher, they don't even know who I am. The gospel has power in itself. When the gospel is preached, the gospel brings people to him. The gospel works. I am getting so ahead of myself in this message. When you open your mouth and share the gospel, he shows up. He empowers you. You're not doing this on your own. You're not trying to convince someone. You're not trying to prove God. You're not an apologist. You're an ambassador. You're not trying to convince. You're inviting his presence to enter your words. And when he shows up, they get the revelation right there. Bam. Understand. 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 I was on a plane recently. This young lady, it was crazy how we both got on the same seat. She had a story, I had a story. We end up on the same seat. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, she desperately needs me. Don't even, don't do the segue. Just tell her about me. And I just felt this love, God's love 
for her. I started immediately sharing the gospel with her. What I was going to find out later is this plane was on the runway. We got grounded. They canceled the plane. We never even got in the air. So I had to get this done quick. I didn't know that. We were still taxiing. As I'm sharing the gospel, the spirit came on her. She could feel the love of God. Now, this girl didn't know the name of Jesus. She didn't know about the cross. She'd never been to a church service. There was nothing in her life that she didn't know anything about what you and I know. She, she, she was the opposite of my Beverly. She was an alcoholic, and her parents were alcoholic and divorced when she was young. She'd gone through some horrific things, and she'd had to run away. She'd lost everything in her life. And God was saying to me, she desperately needs me, and she needs me now. And as I just shared the simple gospel, the same gospel I just said to you, the spirit came onto her and she started weeping and God began to cleanse her and heal her. She was at Ocean's Church not that long ago. The gospel has power in itself. You don't have to be the orator. You don't have to be a great preacher. You just have to be a storyteller. Ever told a story? That's what you do. You tell them your own story. You tell them your testimony. This is what God did for me. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And then you share his testimony. And the power of your testimony with his testimony, whoo, the devil's scared when you open your mouth. We were called to go. We were called to preach. We're going to go to Revelations 19 and Job 39 as a pair. And uh, I'm going to have to do this quickly, but I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to break chains of fear off of you from sharing your faith. He's already doing it. Some of you have never shared your faith before and you don't know the joy of the Spirit showing up and helping you. I was teaching in a, in a college and I was doing a, a class on leading people to Christ and I actually asked them to set a time to go share their faith and this one girl came up to me and she said, I ain't doing it. I'm like, why? It's not my gift. It's, it actually is all of our gifts. The Bible said to Timothy, uh, Paul said to Timothy, fulfill your ministry, be an evangelist. So it wasn't Timothy's primary gift but we're all called to go and preach. And so... She's like, give me a different assignment. I said, nope, that's the only assignment I can give you. She said, I ain't doing it. Well, I'd ask everybody to think about a name or a face and then make a plan to go talk to them. And what she didn't tell me is this, this one face kept in her brain. It was an ex-boyfriend. And she was pushing it away, pushing it away. I wish Myra was here to tell you the story herself because that night that boy called her. They didn't live in the same state. She'd moved away to do college. He called her and he said, I think I'm demon possessed. She said, well, how do you know that? I just put my head through my apartment wall and there's voices in me. But there was a different voice and that voice told me to call you. Myra led him to the, to the Lord over the phone and cast out the demons over the phone. That boy's in church. Myra is an evangelism machine. She shares Jesus everywhere she goes. Every time I see Myra, she has another story. This Muslim family came to Christ. This Buddhist family came to Christ. My atheist friend here came to Christ. She's constantly got stories to the point where I'm like, I think, Myra, you should go be a missionary. <laughs> For some of you, it's just take the first step. Make the first phone call. Just do what God called you to do. I'm going to have to shorten up this last part a lot, and so I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to actually tell you the scriptures, and you have to believe me they're there. <laughs> Revelations 19. It's going to be on the screen. It describes Jesus as faithful and true. It doesn't, doesn't give us his name. It gives us his character. Don't judge God's character by the circumstances you're going through. He is faithful and he is true. He is always faithful, and he's always true. And it says he's riding a white horse, and it says his eyes are blamed with fire, and he is set for war. Your Jesus 
is on a war path. What's he on a war path for? To rescue souls that don't know him yet. He is on a war path to destroy principalities and powers and rescue people from darkness all over the world. That's my Jesus' job description. He came to seek and to save the lost. And when you get saved, you become a little Christ, a little Christian. So what's your job description? You're made for war. You, it goes on to say in Revelations 19, I think it's verse 15. It says, and behind him was the multitudes on their white horse. See, those were war horses made to go into war, made to go take the gospel. And it says that, the, that his church is on their white horses. Job 39 is God's description of what a horse is like. And I want to use this description of a horse to describe you, brothers and sisters. You were made for war. Pastor Jay, I came to church to hear a nice, sweet message. What are you doing to me? You were made for war. And if you haven't been told before, I'm telling you now. We do not fight flesh and blood, but we do fight. We fight principalities and powers and rulers in heavenly places. Depression has been thrown out on this generation like never before. Suicidal thoughts are coming against this generation like never before. Where is the church to go and defend them, to go rescue them? They're all around us. Open your eyes. Lift up your eyes. The fields are white for harvest. These are the times that we were made for, and we were made for war. So this war horse, Job 39, I want you to listen to these words. 39 verse 19. Have you given the horse its strength or closed its neck with a flowing mane? Did you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Its majestic snorting is terrifying. It paws the earth, it rejoices in its strength when it charges into battle. Hey, ladies. You were made for war too. Hey, young men, you were made for war. Why are you not satisfied with your Christian life? Maybe you're sitting like the, the children of Israel were sitting watching the giant, the Goliath Philistine, mock God and mock the Israelites. And maybe you've been watching the battle too long. That's why your Christianity is boring. That's why you come to church, you're not all that excited. But there was this kid named David that showed up, he started a riot. He not only went after Goliath, it says that the children of Israel all of a sudden got courage. And they went running after the Philistines like they were some courageous, bold people. I'm here today to say to you, there's a world out there that needs you. Now, our war is so strange. We do not fight with, with, uh, with, with anger. We do not fight the way that people would fight in war. We fight with love. Our weapon is love. Do you know how that you know how that you'll transform into someone that actually shares your faith when you love people so passionately that you can't even imagine them going to hell and you almost share your faith out of desperation because you do not want any to perish but all that all would know the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ where all of a sudden your fear is consumed by the love of Christ because perfect love casts out fear and you're not afraid of sharing your faith anymore and you can stand boldly and say I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power and I'm, I'm going to add this too it's not just the power. It's the only thing that can transform a life. It's the only thing. That girl I was sitting next to in the plane. I have to be careful what I say. She had a different religion trying to help her. And that religion was giving her, was carrying her in circles never giving her answers, never giving her answers to her pain, never giving her the peace that passes all understanding. And one moment with Jesus, she gets it all in a download. Delivered from alcoholism, by the way, by the power of the Holy Spirit. My Jesus wants to rescue people. And here we are. Here's the army on their white horses. You didn't know you're on a horse today. It goes on to say about this horse, check this out. It says it laughs at fear and it's afraid of nothing. Whoo! Can you point at myself? Point at yourself? Don't point at myself. Point at yourself. 
Say, I laugh in fear. I'm afraid of nothing. Could you imagine being a Christian like that? Where you literally laugh at fear. You're not afraid of anything in this world, including people's faces. You, more, you care more about their future than you're worried about their face. It says that, the, that it paws the ground fiercely and it rushes towards the battle. If you've ever seen a good war movie, you'll find that most of them have horses in them. Lord of the Rings, horses. World War II, they actually used horses. Medieval times, horses. You, you watch any of those big epic war movies, you're gonna see horses, why? Because a horse was bred for war. A horse isn't afraid. It goes into this chapter and it literally says when it smells blood, it still runs into the battle. It is not afraid. If you watch those battle scenes, I was teaching a college class and I was gonna show a battle scene with horses, but they're all rated R. I mean, there's blood everywhere. And the horse doesn't care because his horse was on mission and this horse was bred to go. Do you know why so many Americans are bored with their Christianity? They've never known the joy of getting on their white horse and saying, Holy Spirit, where are we going today? Holy Spirit, who do you want to rescue today? Holy Spirit, can I partner with you for that neighbor or for that coworker or for that friend or for, or for maybe a family member that doesn't know you? God, could I partner with you? And I'm not, again, our, our weapons are not anger. Our weapons are not, this can sound kind of a graphic message, but our weapon is love. Our weapon is compassion. When Jesus knelt over Jerusalem and he wept over the city, he wept over them as sheep without a shepherd. And it was that compassion that caused him to crush the head of the serpent on the cross. See, our fuel is love. It's not anger. You were created to crush the head of the serpent. You were created to one day finally end this thing forever and crush his head. Some scriptures say Jesus is going to crush his head. Some, people, some scriptures say that you're going to crush his head. So which is it? It's Christ in you crushing the head of the serpent. I want to end this way. I, I haven't got through all my scriptures. I haven't gone everywhere. But I believe this is where the Holy Spirit wants me to land. You were created for, you were created to crush the head of the serpent. Let me tell you how we crush his head. We crush the head of the serpent every time someone receives Christ. In one sense, the devil doesn't care if we're in here worshiping or praying as long as we're in here safely and not doing anything out there. He actually will be okay if he can contain us into our little church parties as long as we don't take Jesus out there. He already lost you, so in one sense he doesn't care about you anymore. He'll try to pull you back, but he at least wants to keep you contained. But you were created for war. You were created to take the gospel to the street. And when the Bible says that we were created to crush the head of the serpent, there is nothing that crushes his head more than when he loses someone he thought he owned. See, to God, the greatest treasure are people. It's not money, it's not church buildings, it's not programs, it's people. There was a man that sold everything he had to go buy the treasure in the field, and that was representing Jesus, who sold everything he had in heaven. He, he, he had everything. He had the best house on the block. He had heaven. And he cashed it out, and he came to earth, and like an alabaster box, he was crushed on this earth, and the perfume of his sacrifice was poured out everywhere. This is the Jesus we serve, and when you share your faith, and someone receives Christ, and they enter into heaven, the Bible says there's no party like that party when somebody gets saved in heaven. It says that every time a soul gets saved, they're rejoicing and they're partying. Come on, Pastor Mark, we got to start a party. A party starts, and in hell there's groaning and moaning and sorrow because they lost one. Hell has lost another one. I am free. I am free. You're free, but they're not. Don't you rejoice over your freedom and not go give it away to someone else. 
This is the moment that God's calling the church to stand like never before. As a little boy, I dreamt of a day that the church would rise up and begin to flood the streets because if each one of us would just go share with one person, we'd have a multiplication of salvations around us. You don't have to share to 10 or 12. Share with one. Be like Myra and just share with one person and see what happens. I got to read this last scripture out of, uh, oh, I love this scripture. Matthew 10. This is the description of you sharing your faith. Matthew 10, 18. Now some of this in the middle is kind of scary because these Christians are going to be on trial and they're going to go to prison and God says it's a blessing. Remember, don't judge his character by your circumstance. He might be putting you in prison so that the prisoners can get free. So listen to this. Matthew 10. Could you stand up for the reading of the word? Like this one I'm about to read you is so holy. If you could catch this scripture and this got inside of you, there's no way you can live the same. Listen to this. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. Okay, Pastor Jay, I don't like where it started. You will stand trial. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. Maybe the place, that hard place you're in, is because God wants to reach somebody in the very place that you feel is your prison. This is your opportunity everywhere he takes you. But listen to this. When you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words to say. I want to say this to every one of you here. Pastor Jay, I'm not an evangelist. I don't know how to talk about my faith. God will give you the words to say. It's supernatural. You're not serving a normal God. Young people, it's supernatural. You just open your mouth and he shows up and starts talking through you. And you get done and say, I didn't know I knew that scripture. I didn't know I knew those words. Where did that come from? It was supernatural. God will give you the words to say, for it is not you who are speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. I am not afraid. And today, like that horse in Job, could you leave this place and literally say, I love God completely. I love people because God loves them and I love them more than I love myself. And God, actually, I kind of like myself. Thank you for how you made me. And in that positioning of the great commandment, you can say like the horse, I laugh at fear and I'm afraid of nothing. I am not ashamed of this beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God of salvation to everyone who believes. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word transforms us. I thank you that your word energizes us. I thank you that your word equips us, God. Jesus, today I pray there would be hundreds of people that would find Christ because of this word today. I pray that this word would go out like a seed into our hearts. Lord, put on our minds right now several people in our lives that need you. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. I'm going to just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to everyone in this room. If you know Christ already, that he would begin to put names and faces inside of you of people that need Jesus. I'm not a fan of what we used to call friendship evangelism. I understand what people meant but it became an excuse for the church not to share their faith anymore. Because we were friends with people for 10 years and they were still going to hell and we never opened our mouths because we're just trying to be nice. And be, being nice doesn't get someone to heaven. The gospel gets someone to heaven. Being kind doesn't get them to heaven. The gospel is what gets them to heaven. And yes, we've got a love and yes, it's fueled by love, but at some point we have to open our mouths and I believe all over this room, there's phone calls that need to be made. Some of you have a best friend. You've never shared your faith. Share your faith. A sibling that needs Jesus. Share your faith. A boss that needs Jesus. One of the, one of the places that I worked, I had the joy of leading my boss to Jesus. God told me, take him out to dinner. 
and tell him why you're called. Tell him why you love Jesus so much. And I got to lead my boss to Jesus and his wife. Some of you have people in your circle of friends that you've been running with a long time. And it's time. You see, when the word is sent like it was today, it not only is sent to you, it was sent to them. And God is already preparing their heart for your conversation. He's already gone before you. He's preparing them so that when you begin to speak, it goes into good soil. So Lord, I pray you'd speak names and you'd imprint faces on us, oh God. People that we will share our faith with. By the way, don't use inviting someone to Easter as an excuse not to share your faith and your story and the gospel. But we can do both. There are times where someone's open to coming to church and we can bring them to a service like Easter. You should come to church. Don't come to church alone on Easter. Fill your role. Bring people with you. Hey, we're going to talk about Jesus. It's Easter. People are more susceptible to come to church on Easter. But don't let Easter be an excuse for you sharing your faith. Sometimes it's better from a friend than a pastor. So Jesus, speak to us. Talk to us. Father, I pray against the spirit of fear. In Jesus' name, would you break off a spirit of fear from your church? Father, if there's people in this room that don't like themselves, who have a bad self-image, Lord, they don't like how you created them, would you heal them right now? Heal their mind. Heal their emotions. Let them love themselves. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm going to say it again. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. And Father, if some of us are in the prison of the snare of what people think of us, that I pray you'd break off that snare. That we would be more worried about whether we're heading for eternity than what they think of us. And then Jesus, if there's anyone in this room and we've been questioning the goodness of God, oh Holy Spirit, would you heal us so that we can see that you are good and all you do is good. You are great and all you do is great. You're beautiful in all of your Ways And with that as our foundation, oh Jesus, would you let the gospel go all over Boise, Meridian, Nampa, Idaho, America, and around the world from this place, God. Let the gospel go, God. Everybody close your eyes, and I'm not going to do what you think I'm going to do yet. If you know God put someone on your heart you need to share your faith with this week, I want to say it differently, not need to. You get to. This is the most, such a privilege to take the gospel to someone. If you know there's someone in your life that you're feeling the Holy Spirit leading you to share your faith with, would you raise your hand? So every hand raised, I want you to set a time and a place and a way. Is it a phone call? Is it a coffee? Is it having them over for dinner? Is it a conversation in the workroom? What is it? I want you to literally think about how am I going to position? Whew, the devil doesn't want this to happen. I'm telling you, he hates this service. God's up there having a party. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that every conversation, every interaction, oh God, would be so full of your Holy Spirit that we would see hundreds of salvations as your church rises up, oh God, to share their faith with the world around them. Now close your eyes again. Last thing. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you heard me share what he did for you on the cross, that he carried your sin, and, and now he wants to have a relationship with you. And if you want that today, I believe there's at least 20 people that, that you're just like inside, I want to respond to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand and say, I, I, I need Jesus, and I want to receive him as my Savior today. Raise your hand. There's a few hands, but I really believe there's many more than that. Everyone keep your eyes closed for just a moment. You do not need to be clean to come to Jesus. When you come to him, then he cleans you. You do not need to be perfect to come to Jesus. When you come to him, he begins to give you his nature. The Bible says to come to Jesus just as you are. And if you need Jesus today and you're like, you know, I'm tired of living my life by myself. I want him in my life. I want to follow him. Please just raise your hand. Just boldly raise your hand and say, I need Jesus all over this place. Thank you. 
Thank you. More hands. Just raise your hand. Say, I need Jesus. Awesome. Church, let's pray with all of those that raised their hand. So just repeat this after me if you raised your hand. Dear Jesus, I need you. I'm hungry for you. I don't know what to do next, but I trust you. Would you please forgive me? Would you please cleanse me from sin? Teach me how to follow you. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Guide me every day. I don't know how to live by myself, so live through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There was at least 15 hands. Could you just give God thanks for that? Thank you, Jesus. The devil would love to steal the seed that went inside of you today as you walk out of this room. He would just love to steal it because there's some beautiful people that don't know Jesus yet on the other side of your obedience. And I just want to commission you. This is a really good habit. And when you see it like one person gets saved and then another, it can actually become an addiction. We need some good addictions, right? This can become an addiction because you realize he works. He's always worked. He does work and he will work. And the gospel is the power to salvation. Give Jesus a hand. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.